In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now usually I would do this at the beginning of the service, but since the service is a little different, let, let me say this. This is Mother's Day, and I just want to wish all the mothers and the grandmothers and the stepmothers a happy Mother's Day. Abraham Lincoln one time said, No man is poor who has had a godly mother. And I really believe that. If you had a godly and good mother, you are rich. So, happy Mother's Day to everybody. The Gospel lesson for today, from the Gospel of John, is one that is one of the most comforting sections of Scripture and also one of the more controversial, especially for non-Christians. The comforting part is the first part where Jesus says, In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you with me, so that where I am, you may be also. And that's, that's a great comfort when we think about the Lord has uh, gone ahead of us to prepare a special place, a dwelling or mansion, depending on your translation. Some of us can't imagine living in mansions. So how about a dwelling place? But it's going to be great. And sometimes Secretary Marilyn and I have conversations about what is heaven going to be like? I mean, what are we going to do up there? And, and what does that mean we're going to have? And this is my take on heaven. Heaven is going to be Whatever it takes to make you happy. If that means being with your relatives, that's good. If it means being away from your relatives, okay, that's good too. If it means having your dog with you, hey, all the good dogs go to heaven. If, for me, it'll be, I'll probably have to have cows. But anyway, whatever it takes to make us happy, that'll be there. And we'll be in the presence of the Lord, which may sound a little stuffy. But think about this. Think about being in the presence of something that, somebody that you really admire that is, that is interesting and exciting, like maybe a musical legend or a sports figure, like being in the presence of, let's say, Peyton Manning. Wouldn't that be fun? Well, take that and multiply it times a thousand. That's what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord. So it's going to be great. Now, the next part that Jesus said is the part that's controversial. And that is, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And a lot of people who are not of the Christian faith look at that and go, well, that seems rather arrogant and prejudicial and bigoted and maybe even mean-spirited. What are you saying, that the rest of us don't have any truth in our religion? And I think, you know, there are many... Well, the World Religion Encyclopedia says there are 10,000 different religions in the world, some of whom only have two or three people, but, but 150 of whom have at least a million people, and some have billions, like Christians. So you've got 10,000 religions, and their question to us is, what are you saying, that 9,999 of us are wrong, and you're the only ones who are right? Well, I don't think it's saying exactly that but it is saying that salvation comes through Christ. And certainly there are people who would be in favor of what is called pluralism. Pluralism means there are many paths to finding God. And they would say, you know, there are all kinds of different paths up the mountain, but the goal all is the same to get to the top of the mountain. So, you know, whatever your religious background and whatever your beliefs, they're all valid. They're all on an equal footing. And certainly I don't believe that because 
there are many religions, in my opinion, that are out and out false and are harmful and are despicable. There are things within the Christian religion, <laughs> even, that I think, you know, stuff that passes for Christianity that doesn't seem very Christian to me. For example, I don't think that the uh, Jim Jones followers in Guyana drinking the Kool-Aid is on the same footing as, say, Lutherans coming to take Holy Communion at church. I don't think that the wackos uh, in Waco with David Koresh is on the same par with, say, Mother Teresa working with the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India. Or in history, religious things uh, that I don't see as being good. I don't think that Aztec human sacrifices were a good idea. I don't think that Hindu widow burning and female infanticide were a good plan either. No, I don't think that all religions are valid. I don't think that they're all helpful. I don't think that they're all good, and I don't think that they're all on the same footing. Well, aren't they all the same? No, no, they aren't. There is monotheism, the Lord our God is one God, and there is polytheism. There are many gods, all kinds of gods. We'll hear about that next week when we get to the first lesson with St. Paul in Athens and where he looks around himself and they have a, a god for everything in the Greeks. So no, they aren't the same that way. There are some that are obviously very, very helpful. Most good things in the world have come through religion. But also many horrible things in the world have happened because of religion. Religion is in some ways kind of like high-stakes poker. You can win a lot or you can lose a lot, depending on if it's true or false kind of religion. So just because something is religious, religion has power, has great power, but it has the same power for evil that it does for good. It's like a stick of dynamite. It can be really helpful to uh, blow up ice flows and get the river going so it doesn't flood. Or it can blow your dang head off. So, you know, we have to be careful about this thing. Well, you know, they're all equal, they're all valid, they all go to the same place. Which brings us back to what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, nobody comes to the Father except through me. So, how does that work out then? Because Jesus also said further on in this same gospel, and I have other sheep not of this fold, and I must gather them also. Well, who are these other sheep not of this fold? How, how, how does that come into being? I uh, read a quote from a Christian author, C.S. Lewis, who said in his book, Mere Christianity, quote, The truth is, we don't know what ar other arrangements God might have with other people. The only thing we know is that everyone is saved through Christ. What we don't know is, do these other people need to know Christ in order for Christ to save them? So we don't go out and, and persecute other religions or, you know, tell them they're all wrong and everything. But, but there, there are possibly special arrangements that God has made. We know that God is just. We know that he is fair. We know from 1 John that he saved the entire cosmos, that he does, is not willing to have any be lost. Well, what about people then who uh, were on the earth before Christ? Are they saved by Christ's? Uh, saving action? Well, we know with Abraham, he believed God's promise. 
And the scripture said, and so it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So in the Old Testament, you have promise. In the New Testament, you have gospel. Okay, that's fine. What about people who have never heard the gospel message? Are they judged in the same way by God as people who have heard the gospel message and rejected it? What about babies and infants that were never baptized, not through their own fault? Uh, does, does God take that into account? What about people with cognitive disabilities who can't understand? Does God take that into account? Certainly, the Lord God understands people. And I think he would, I think he would understand people that were groping, trying to find a creator in, in you know, jungles of South America or the deepest heart of Africa, uh, I suspect they're going to be under a somewhat different judgment than others who have outright rejected the Christ. But I don't know. That's up to God. That's not up to me. He can do whatever he wants. He's a big guy. That's why he has the big title. All I know is what I know. And all I can share with other people is what I know salvation to be. I don't have to tell other people they're wrong. All I have to do is, is this is what I know. This is what I have to share with you. The peace of God through Christ. At the end of this gospel section, Jesus also said to his disciples, you're going to do greater things than I do. And I'm always left saying, really? I, I never fed 5,000 people with a couple of fish. Uh, I never walked on the water or healed the lame or the blind or raised anybody from the dead or you know, walked on water. I never did any of that. But if you look at it in another way, what he was saying, I think, to the disciples is this. You know, I'm only on this earth a short time and visited a small part of Palestine. But my followers are going to cover the world. And we are people who have uh, started hospitals for healing. We've started higher learning. We have food pantries to help the poor. We have you know, uh, uh, clothing warehouses, end-of-the-month meal. We have all of these things. And in that sense, in totality, we have done greater things than Jesus. And we could do more. So in this text, we want to make sure, we, when we look at this, that we say, I, I don't know what God is going to do. That's up to Him. But I know what my mission is. I know what I'm called to do. And that is to share the love of God through Christ. That's all I know, and that's what I can share. So Jesus was very willing to die on our behalf, and we need to be very willing to let other people know that. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.